Hey everybody, welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Monday, February 10th. It is the beginning of a brand new work week. And I've already got this sense that it is going to be a very long week. You know what I mean? Like, you ever wake up on Monday and you're just like, other other than the usual dread of, oh my God, it's Monday. But you wake up on Monday and you're like, for some odd reason, this is going to be a very long week. And I don't, for, other, for no other reason other than it just feels like it's going to go very, very slow. I don't know if it's just because it's the middle of the month or it's about to be the middle of February, but it just feels like it has that ambiance to it. And I'm not really a fan, and I'm pretty sure you guys aren't either. But if I could provide any solace for the 25, 30 minutes that we'll be talking today, hopefully I've done my job there. So thank you for joining me, everybody. Today, I am your host, Danny Webster, and I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode. We have a load to talk about today, starting with Saturday's game against Carolina, the possible return of William Carlson, and we will take a look around the Pacific Division because I feel like we are now at the point where we need to start looking at every game in the Pacific Division, not really every game around the league. Because right now the Pacific Division is going to remain a smorgasbord of complete hell until we get to the end of the regular season. So we will talk about all about that in just a matter of moments. But before we do, the usual housekeeping items that we need to get out of the way uh, before we get going here. If this is the first time you are listening to this podcast, I do welcome you. And I'm sure your neighbor welcomes you and your friend welcomes you and everyone would like to welcome you in this small collective family that we have called Locked On Golden Knights. Uh, We are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you consume your podcasting. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. Or if you do like sending emails, because emails remain a good source of communication in the year of our Lord 2020, you can do so to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com, and I do appreciate if you do so. So let's jump right into it, because there is a lot that we need to discuss today. Hopefully we won't take up a lot of time talking about what we need to talk about today. But the one thing that I wanted to start off with today, and it's not really an indictment on Peter DeBoer, it's not really an indictment on the new coaching staff, but quite the opposite. New coaching staff, same problems. And the same problems I'm talking about are the Golden Knights cannot hold a lead to save their damn lives. They had a two-goal lead in two different occasions on the third period or in the third period on Saturday night against the Carolina Hurricanes and the Golden Knights still lost in what could only be described as utter collapsing failure, if that's a good way to put it. The Golden Knights had a 3-1 to lead heading into the third period. They were playing well. Marc-Andre Fleury was having a solid night. The team was playing well in all facets of the game. And then the third period happened. And the third period was absolutely horrendous. The Hurricanes scored four times in the third period, took a 5-4 lead late. Cody Eakin, if not for his amazing wraparound goal, which 
that al- that in itself, I think, deserves its own podcast. Cody Eakin deciding to not circle the net and actually go for the wraparound, uh, scoring the goal, tying the game, Vegas coming within inches of winning in overtime only to crap the bed in the shootout. And as a result, the Golden Knights lost 6-5 to five to the Hurricanes. They got a point, but it was a very hollow point. You, the, the way that they played, especially coming out of the gate, in that first period, they were the better team. And then for a span of 10 minutes in the third period, they were definitely not the better team. I believe this was only the third time the Golden Knights have allowed at least four goals in a period. It was to watch that unfold the way that it did. It was just remarkable how quickly they collapsed, how they could play so well for 40 minutes. And then in the third period, much like it has been the case for the bulk of this season, the Golden Knights just fell flat on their face with no other real no other real explanation other than the fact that they just got outplayed either that or they got too comfortable at home. And that really, I think has been the overarching theme for the golden Knights this entire season. When they've gotten at home, when they played at home, it hasn't been the home ice advantage that it was for the last two years when they won 53 games at home in their first two seasons. Now they've, they're on their 500 team at home. They won 14 games at home, and they have 13 more to go at home for the, to finish this season. They have more home games than they do road games. It's not by a lot, but I think it's separated by, like, one, right? Because now when they play Minnesota on Tuesday, they will have, I believe, 11 road games left. So you've got time, if you're Vegas, to really write this ship at home. The problem is, and we've talked about this before, the upcoming schedule that Vegas will have at home is murderer's row. You know, St. Louis, Washington, New York Islanders. This is not the time for Vegas to be, you know, figuring out how to win at home. They've got to do it. There is, there is no excuse. They have got to find a way to do it at home. If they don't figure out a way to round up some wins and go into March with enough points to where you can be like, okay, they're comfortable enough to get to a playoff spot. It's going to be worrisome. Because you got St. Louis on Thursday, Islanders Saturday, Capitals on Monday, and then the Lightning, and then the Panthers. And then you have a one-off game the next night at Anaheim, which you remember the last time you went to Anaheim, you gave up three goals in a minute. And then you come back home for what might be the biggest game of the month against uh, Edmonton, considering it's a divisional game. And then three winnable games, Buffalo, L.A., New Jersey. And if you can't put it together by then then I don't know what to tell you. Um, but it was a very good night for one former Golden Knight, and obviously I'm talking about Eric Halla, who returned to T-Mobile Arena, had a two-point night, had a goal and an assist. Uh, he was really the the one involved in the comeback efforts for the Hurricanes. He took the high stick from Zach Whitecloud that turned into the four-minute double minor, and then he scored the goal after Stevenson scored his shorthanded breakaway goal, and then he also had an assist. Carolina wins. I go into the visitors' locker room, and everybody's crowded around Halla. And I decided to, you know, ask him a couple questions. One of them being, one was there any ill will toward the organization? I know, I know, players always say it's a business, right? It, it's not. It's not that it 
the players should just accept the fact that they got traded. It's the fact that Halla got traded in the fashion that he did. Because if you look back to last season, he was seven to ten days away from being able to practice with the Golden Knights had they advanced past the Sharks uh, from the first round of the playoffs. If Golden Knights advanced, Halla would have been practicing. And if Vegas got to, say, the Western Conference Final, there's a good chance Halla would have been available. Number one, he doesn't even get a chance to kind of re-up practice efforts and and skate with his teammates. Then he gets traded, and then he gets married three days later. All of a sudden now it's just like, oh, we got to do what we got to do. We're not going to give Halla a chance to see what he can do in his comeback efforts. I asked him, you know, it, was there any ill will? Obviously he said no, but he did deliver very poignant answer to his thoughts about the team and just how everything has transpired in the last year. No, I didn't have any ill will. Um, they were in a situation where something happened, our whole team knew it, and uh, you know, it was me, and, and uh, you know, timing wasn't great. It was a couple days before my wedding, and uh, you know, it kind of threw us for a little loop, but... Um, you know, this is this, this is a business, and that's how it goes. And I understand that. You know, I I thanked them. It was you know took uh, took a little bit, and then you know I was you move on. I mean, I had a I had a lot on my mind. You know, I had sat, sat out the whole year, and, and uh, I had a lot to focus on. You know, I had I had to um, get myself ready for the season. There's a lot of work work ahead of me still and stuff. So it, there's there's a lot going on uh, in that sense. So I uh, you know I'm I'm proud to you know, I'm proud of where I got myself to uh, from where I was and, uh, and yeah and just uh, every night trying to play play my, my best and and uh, but definitely I, I don't have any ill will against them I only have good memories and except for that game in Toronto but right but uh, it's there's no, I have nothing and I love, I love all those guys over there obviously I have a special bond with them and again I would just like to point out one very important piece of information Eric Hall is an unrestricted free agent next year the Golden Knights can find a way to maneuver some money around. I would not be shocked in the least if Vegas tried to kick the tires on bringing Hollow back on a multi-year deal with you know low money. I'd say around two million. I, I don't think they. I don't think they would go up to three. Um, it, it would kind of be of a prove-it deal, actually. And if it turns out well, it'd be a hell of a bargain. Um, but the Golden Knights could probably use him right about now. I'm just saying. I think that. He would be very useful on that third line, and he would be very useful for the depth of this team going forward. But, alas, that didn't happen, and the Golden Knights have to move on. They have a one-off road game at Minnesota uh, tomorrow. I almost forgot what day of the week it was already. Uh, Golden Knights back to work tomorrow. One-off road game at Minnesota. And the good thing for them is help may be on the way. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On Golden Knights is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Golden Knights fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener I'm talking about. It's a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Golden Knights fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. 
So help may be on the way for the Golden Knights in a way that can only be described as perfect timing. Because if there's any indication as to Sunday's practice and Saturday's morning skate, it is only a matter of time, and I would put my $1 of money that I have uh, in my savings account, I would bet that William Carlson is back for Tuesday's game against Minnesota. The Golden Knights' top center was a full participant in practice on Sunday. Um, The Golden Knights will practice at 10 a.m. today, and we will kind of get a clearer indication of where Carlson, uh, if one, if he will play, two, where he will slot in the lineup. But if we're going off Sunday's practice, now before I dive even more into this, just a quick note, Chandler Stevenson did, had a maintenance day on Sunday. He did not practice because Pete DeBoer said that he took a uh, puck, uh, blocked a shot with a puck, and uh, took the day off. So keep that in mind when I say this. But William Carlson took line rushes on Sunday as the third line left wing. Let me repeat that one more time for the people in the back. William Carlson, third line left wing. If there is any level beyond weird, let me know because that is it. The Golden Knights center was taking line rushes as the third line left wing with Cody Eakin centering and Alex Tuck on the right. I have no idea what to make of this. Again, Chandler Stevenson was not practicing Sunday. This could clearly change. Okay, this could clearly just be a one-off thing and it would be and everything will be back to normal today. Either that or we are definitely in the twilight zone. Uh, Carlson did confirm that the injury took place in the last shift of the Buffalo game on January 14th. Did not specify what it was. What was shocking was that actually Pete DeBoer confirmed in his press conference yesterday that it was a broken finger. Now, looking back at the tape, it does appear that he took a slash from Brandon Montour, and that's when the finger broke. So there you go. But I was just shocked that we even got the official confirmation that Carlson broke his finger. I was like, what the hell is this? What is going on here? Um, But nevertheless, Carlson was a full participant on Sunday and did speak to the media for the first time since the injury. And, you know, here's some of what he had to say. I guess, how are you feeling? Uh, I feel pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's fun to be out there with the team again, so uh, I'd say I feel good. And, uh, it's been tough sitting out uh, for these uh, last couple of games, so um, it's just, you know, not only playing, but also be here with all the guys in the locker room. It was kind of lonely here uh, during the their Florida trip there, so uh, it's good to be back. What have you been told about your, your role when you come back in, or do you know where you're going to slot in? Uh, not yet. We'll see. Even coach tell me uh, I get to play. How much have you talked to Pete about the system and how you're going to be a part of it? Uh, not too much. I mean, I was in all the meetings at the beginning on that first road trip where I got injured. Um, so I kind of know um, the idea of how he, he wants the team to play. So um, I'm, like I said before, like going on the ice and play in the system is probably going to make me more and more comfortable for for each day and, and game as I play. The you, plan is for you to play Tuesday? Oh, uh, I haven't heard anything, but um, hopefully. Also, a quick note, uh, because we didn't have an episode on Saturday, 
Cody Glass was reassigned to AHL Chicago. It's probably well known by now, but Pete DeBoer confirmed that Glass is on a conditioning assignment with the hope of having him back in the lineup rather soon. I would say probably given another week or so, Glass will be back in the lineup. But back to Carlson, obviously what he brings to this lineup can't be understated. Um, We know the terrific score he is, the terrific playmaker he is. Even DeBoer touched on it yesterday, just how you can put him in every single situation and it works. Like you can put him on the PK, you can put him on the power play, you put him as your top line guy. Wherever you put him, we know what William Carlson brings to the table. Right now, it just so happens that that's exactly what Vegas needs. And don't get me wrong, Paul Stasny has played admirably in his place on the top line in the middle of Marshall and Smith. He's played tremendous. I think he has six points in five games since uh, being moved to that line. He's been fantastic. Chandler Stevenson, at least based on what we saw yesterday, again, did practice on Sunday, so this is still subject to change. But Stevenson has definitely put a stranglehold on that second-line center spot in between Stone and Pacioretty, at least for the moment. But what Carlson brings, whether you put him as a left wing or whether you put him as a center, the Golden Knights need that. They need that very much. Uh, Defensively, they haven't been great the last eight games. Uh, They've allowed 3.57 goals in the last eight games. Clearly not ideal in any stretch of the imagination. And on the power play, they have been just as atrocious, uh, going 3-for-22 in the last eight games. That's 3-for-22. Now, I know the power play isn't really the strong suit. The PK has been the strong suit under DeBoer. 80% PK, which in most situations, that is considered very good. Uh, The problem is, is that they've allowed three power play goals in the last two games. So you're probably seeing a little bit of the cracks in the foundation as to how the PK has been. Other than that, the PK has been solid. But it definitely helps if you have Carlson and Smith running your first PK unit, or at least your second PK unit. So that is good news for the Golden Knights. I am just very intrigued to see if Carlson will stay at the left wing on the third line. I can't imagine that happening, and I can't imagine him only getting 14, 15 minutes a game. If it's just to get his legs back underneath him, that's totally understandable. I would get that. But I just can't imagine him being on that third line. And I can't imagine him being a third line left wing. Now, DeBoer did say this yesterday. He was very adamant that he's not going to go into these final, what, 25 games rolling with lines that have worked with Vegas in the past. It's his system now. It's his team. He has the right to experiment with what he's got. Whether that means actually having him with Cody Eakin on a third line, probably not the best idea. I, I, I touched on it last week that I still believe that going forward, if you want to get the most out of this team when it's fully healthy, is you keep Stasny with, with Marshall and Smith, and then you have Carlson centering with Stone and Pacioretty, which I think that would be the best line you can do. Now, there are definitely some mixed results when I talked to some colleagues last or a couple of days ago about where I would put Chandler Stevenson. I still think third line left wing would be ideal. If you have Cody Eakin and Cody Glass on the same line, it's not going to work. I, I just don't think it's going to work. You need to figure out one or the other, and you can't have Glass on the wing. Glass needs to stay center, you, and Eakin will not do anything as a wing. 
I, I just fully believe that unless Glass turns him into a scoring superstar on that third line. Uh, if you want to put Stevenson on the fourth line, you can do that. And, I mean, you can put Carrier and then um, you can put Reeves on the right. There, there are a lot of different things you can do. Um, but with Glass not coming back for, I would guess, another week, week and a half, that's where it gets a little bit tricky. I, I still think those lines would be perfect. But, again, it, it's DeBoer's team now. He doesn't need to roll with the lines that have been rolling for the last two, two-plus years now. He doesn't have to. He can change it any way he sees fit. And so far, at least the top line with Stasny, with Marshall and Smith, has worked tremendously. And Stevenson, he's been with Stone and Pacioretty before, but that's working more uh, fluidly now than I think it has you know, in the last 10 games or however many it was when he was on that line. So there, there's, there are things to like with that top six. The, the middle six and the bottom six is going to be very interesting and how they switch it up and how DeBoer switches it up. And we're going to see on Tuesday, if Carlson does come back and he is the third line left wing, then we can, we can think of it in two ways. One, that he's trying to get Carlson, you know, revved back up, even though it, it wasn't really like it was a, you know, like a broken sternum, it was a broken finger. So it's not like the cardio really is needed there, right? Like it, it's not like it take, it, it's not like he's, you know, probably taken off, completely from skating if it's a broken finger then i'm pretty sure that he's laid off it for a little bit but he ramped up the cardio as soon as he's got some padding on it at least that's that's how i would take him but the second thing is is that if carlson stays on the third line left wing what does that say about chandler stevenson and i and i've tweeted about this i tweeted about this uh during the nashville game i truly believe that until we get to the trade deadline and unless a huge huge name is moved chandler stevenson might be the best trade acquisition of the entire season to this point and if the, unless there's a major move at the deadline, this could be the best trade acquisition of the entire season for any team. Stevenson has been great. He's been great uh, centering that line. Uh, he's not too big for the moment. He's a guy who's been a fourth liner in Washington. He's gotten his chance to show what he can do. He's got 10 goals, I believe, now on the season, which is incredible. And he has earned every bit of playing time that he's gotten. He's been one hell of a uh, acquisition for Vegas. Has he done really enough to solidify his standing in that second line center spot? And that's going to be the key going forward, because if we're sitting here talking about Chandler Stevenson, who's making about a million dollars a year compared to the man that was just signed to an eight year contract worth, you know, however money it was 5.9 million, that that is going to be something. And I, and I, and I could understand it from this standpoint as well. Carlson on that third line is going to add a little bit of a jolt into that third line. I, I truly believe that, but I don't think it's somewhere that's going, I don't think it's going to be like a permanent spot for him. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be something that they just try for a little bit. If it doesn't work, then you go back to what works. But at least, at least you have this. At least if you have Carlson back, you get him back on the power play, you get him back on the PK and you get him back in the defensive game, which is what Vegas is needed. And you get him back, you get glass back. You're talking a whole different ball game. And again, four, two and two under DeBoer in a game since he's been coach. So it's not like this has been an unmitigated disaster, but you can't have games like you did on Saturday. You can't have games where you just fall apart defensively. And I think that's really been, you know, the key to this whole thing is that when 
while Vegas has been impressive without William Carlson, they can be a much better team with him in there. So getting him back, I believe I I'm not going to confirm, but I think all signs point to him returning on Tuesday. He does come back. That's going to be huge for Vegas. And that's going to be huge for every single facet of their game. All right. So like I said earlier, normally we would do a look around the league. Normally we would, you know, go through all the scores and whatnot. I think we're at the point of the year now where we can just be like, all right, let's just focus on the Pacific because the Pacific is too big of a smorgasbord of hell to completely just not have that as its own separate uh, category. Uh, three games tonight, three division games tonight. Uh, Coyotes are at Montreal. The Coyotes are now one point out of a wild card spot. Can we let that sink in for a quick moment? The Coyotes are now a top. The Coyotes are out of a wild card spot. That is incredible, and that is a collapse unlike anything I think we've ever seen. Uh, the Jets are now the top wild card. The Flames, who will visit the Sharks tonight, are the second wild card. If you had told me, you know, three weeks ago that the Coyotes would be falling out of a wild card spot, or they wouldn't even be first in the division, I would try to take your money. At this point, they need Darcy Kemper back in the worst way. And if Darcy Kemper isn't the answer, oh boy. Uh, so the Coyotes needing a win. They are at Montreal. Montreal is not that far back in their own playoff spot. Also, I think they're like three points back or five points back of Toronto. They're not that far behind, so they're right there. Uh, the Canucks, the first place, Vancouver Canucks, starting the second game of a six-game homestand, uh, are hosting the Nashville Predators. The Canucks, watching them for the better part of these next 20, 25 games is going to be interesting because they had a game on Saturday against Calgary, which going into it, they've been so good at home, you figure they should have won that game. They got mollywopped by the Flames. You got to wonder if maybe the Canucks are kind of showing signs of vulnerability. We're going to find out because Nashville... They haven't been great either, but they're still in the mix for the wild card. I think they're three points back of Calgary for the second wild card. They're not that they're not out of it. You know what I mean? They're not that out, that far out of it. If the if the Canucks don't win tonight, that means that Vancouver and Vegas will have the same number of games played. Edmonton will still have two games in hand, so that's key. But 56, 57 games played. And if Vancouver loses, Vegas will only be one point back and they'll have the same number of games played. Again, Edmonton has two games in hand on Vegas. They'll have two games in hand on Vancouver after tonight. So that is a huge, huge game, I think, for Vancouver. They cannot afford to lose that game. Because if you're tied with Vegas in games played and you're only a point ahead of them after the stretch that you had just not too long ago where you were dominant at home and you lose two in a row at home, I think that's going to be a huge, huge loss for Vancouver and we'll be looking back on this game I think is something that's going to be the turning point for Vancouver uh the Oilers as I mentioned uh they are off today but they will host Chicago on Tuesday their game is t- uh starts an hour after Vegas's game in Minnesota so keep that in mind if you're wanting to uh, hop games and whatnot so you know I I like looking around the league I don't like looking around the league when the Red Wings and the Bruins have the have the national TV game. So I think that was one of the reasons why I was like, hey, I don't want, really want to talk about that. So we'll just focus on the Pacific Division going forward, <laughs> and uh, we'll uh, 
we'll just make it more fun because this is going to be a really fun 2025 games just watching these teams beat the living hell out of each other and again in march it's going to be all hands on deck vegas i think plays seven divisional games in the month of march i mean actually let's look at it right now calgary edmonton uh arizona vancouver arizona edmonton calgary vancouver so up until the final game of the season they're playing eight division games that's a, those are a total of what four point games so what, what are we talking like 32 points right there um pretty important stretch there if you ask me so uh be a very fun last couple of months for the season and we will be here discussing it all on this podcast so that will do it for me today everybody thank you for listening thank you for downloading sharing subscribing all that jazz all of it is greatly appreciated um, if you are an Apple podcast, please feel free to leave a rating and a review. It let's me know how I'm doing on the show. It lets me know uh, what you want to hear on the show. Uh, if you want to try and hear more uh, Star Wars discussions with me, William Carlson and Nate Schmidt, uh, more than likely we will be doing that as well. Um, but if you want to hear something different, you want to hear more stuff from players, or if you want me to try and get more guests on the pod, uh, that will also be a thing that I will be considering at some point. Uh, just with the schedule that I have, it's it's busier than it should be, and I don't really have time to be like, okay, I'm going to get this guest on, get this guest on, get this guest on. So um, I'm going to work on getting some guests toward the end of the regular season, but for right now, I think, you know, just what what is what is it in friday night lights clear eyes full heart can't lose that, that that's me right now that is me right now i'm going full friday night lights so thank you guys for listening thank you for uh all the support on the podcast we'll be back tomorrow it'll be a post-game pod tomorrow so it'll be out later after the game against minnesota and then wednesday we'll be back to normal getting you ready for the game thursday against the st louis blues so thank you guys to, for listening, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I will see you tomorrow, later tomorrow, after the Minnesota game. Have a good one.